0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Clear your schedule, because 5 to 8 p.m. is the worst. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Provide decompression time. They need time to decompress. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson.
0: The second my kids walk in the door, I feed them a snack that is kind of like a lunch. A
1: podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to.
0: It's still a problem, but it gets (laughs) better. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're
1: talking about why 5 to 8 p.m. is the absolute worst time of day for any parent. And
0: it is. I mean... (laughs) We're
1: done. Like, We're starting. Yes. yes. It's the
0: worst. We're not talking about whether it's the worst. We're talking about why it's the worst. Why but, it's the worst. Okay. That, that we can actually have a conversation. But first about, I'd like to make the worst.
1: I, I do have a confession I'd like to make to you first, Please. which is a couple weeks ago, we talked about how we all have too much stuff at our house and how to organize it. And after researching that episode, I, in a frenzy of organization, got out all these soccer cleats and board games and, and put them in my front hall to do something with because I live in an apartment. I don't have a garage, basement, trunk.
0: Um, but they're still there. they're all, It's all still there two weeks later. I have to say that that episode has been haunting me as well. <laughs> it's kind of paralyzed me. I've just been staring at all the stuff and being like, this is the stuff I need to declutter. But you know what? I'm not going to do that, Amy. I'm not going to do that between 5 to 8 p.m. Yeah. Because during that time, I have other problems. Clear your schedule, because 5 to 8 p.m. is the worst. 5 to 8 p.m. is the worst.
1: (laughs) This came from a listener named Jill. You know, we love to hear from you guys about what you'd like to hear on the show. And you don't hesitate to tell us. Jill came up with this idea. She said, you know what we need to talk about? Surviving the late afternoon, early evening hours with tired, bickering, whiny kids without yelling, fighting, or plopping them in front of the TV.
0: We need to talk. Can you help that. her? I'm not sure I can help. We can. I can. I have a lot of thoughts on this. And I have a couple of methods that I think are going to actually help out. Because this, I, I will say 5 to 8 p.m. is the absolute worst when you have really, really little kids. Yes, absolutely. It's the this gets worst. Better. Mm-hmm. It does. Here's the good news, moms of younger kids. This will get better. It is still bad, but it. It's the absolute worst when you have little kids. Like the baby is having the afternoon fussies. The kids, you're like, I want to put you to bed, but the sun is still shining. Like from 4.30 on, it's just a an exhausted march to bedtime. That does get better, moms of little ones.
1: I remember, I was just telling, so I, I have um, kids who are 10, 14, and 15, so... I am the it gets better side of this. Although it's still not great, I'll tell you. This is an ages and stages thing.
0: It's still a problem, but (laughs) it gets better.
1: It's an ish, but in different ways, right? So, I mean, I I do remember there being some sort of like, you know, pretty cold days and it's getting dark at 445 and (sighs) I would pile the two little boys into the double stroller and be like, guys, we're going out. And I, you know, put them in coats and blankets and they were just so cranky and I just would just walk them around the neighborhood until I found a construction site, which in New York City doesn't take too long. And I would think I'm just going to stand here for 15 or 20 minutes freezing my butt off because the boys were transfixed by any any sort of truck or a man with a hard hat was enough to get us through this very tough time of day.
0: It's almost impossible to understand. I, I wrote a piece about it a long time ago, this this time of day, and we were living in L.A., so it was at least warm, but definitely I have memories of like being in our backyard in pitch blackness with two kids on swings just like and their feet were like flying out of the darkness and nailing me in the face but i was like <laughs> this is better than the other option like just finding ways to kill those 3 hours why is it so hard well and also they're they're intense because it's a it's a hour
1: of intense boredom. Everybody's cranky. Everybody's worn out from the day so far, especially you. And followed then by a frenetic period of dinner, bath,
0: bedtime. And you're quite possibly 12 hours into your day when it starts. Right. Like there's a, especially when you've got really little ones, there's a pretty good possibility that you're in hour 12 at the start of this period.
1: Oh my gosh. My sister has a one-year-old and she was just telling me yesterday how they have a 5 a.m. start pretty consistently because oh. that's when he decides, and they and they're they're going to call that a win. They're chalking that up as a as a win on the board because he's making it until five without. Uh, you know, a midnight snack. So, <laughs> so she's like, yeah, we start at five. So yeah, you're right. By 5pm. Yeah. A lot of it is a not unreasonable. My God, how long has this day been happening? Feeling. Okay.
0: Can I start strong? I don't want to like go all in and give all my good advice, but I do have a really good piece of advice. Oh, okay. All right. When I had very little kids, we had a neighbor who was 12 years old, maybe, th- maybe 13. I hired her for like $10 an hour. We had no money and three little kids. I hired her for $10 an hour to come every day between 5 and 8 p.m. For $30 a day, like I would skip a meal to have that. <laughs> she was very young. She wasn't a babysitter. I couldn't take a nap. You know, I it just was a second set of hands to help me. And yes. it saved my life. Like I look back on her, and I'm like that. That was the person who helped me most in my entire existence.
1: It is. A, it is. It's a great idea, and it is a flaw. I think in the way we think of when we need help. When the same thing, when my boys were little, one and two, two and three, I had out my my first babysitting was two days a week, and then three days a week from three to six p.m. Linda was incredible. She'd it didn't matter the weather. They were out in the double stroller and they wouldn't come home until 559. But then I was sending her home and then doing the dinner, bath, bedtime, like frenetic, frenetic thing by myself because uh, my, my spouse was never home from work until, you know, until pajama time. That's um, the
0: other problem. And I was like, what am I eight. doing?
1: Right. Like, I, I, why, am I, why am I having the helper go home just when things, I mean, she helped me with the one part, the cranky part, but then she wasn't helping me with the frantic activity part. It was, it was a, a bad idea.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you hit on a, a big problem, which is like your spouse is not home. Some of the biggest fights I ever had with David come from these days when he would say to me, he would call at 6.15, his office was maybe half an hour away, and say, I'm just leaving. And then he would walk in the door at 7.30, and I would just be like, I've been plotting your demise for half an hour (laughs) in intricate detail. Like, you can't during this window tell me you're going to be home at seven and get home at seven 30. Like you might as well tell me you're going to be home today and get home next August. Like it's, you're just so desperate for help at that point. And
1: what was he, was he, was he trying to be optimistic and telling you he was leaving at six 15 and then he wouldn't actually leave till seven. Cause somebody came in his office. Like of what course. happens? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: He would be like, Oh, I'm about to leave. But for him leaving meant like just knock on the boss's door. Hey, I'm going to leave. Oh, just check this memo for like six other things. And we just had to have such a firm talk about expectation management. And like, it would be so much better for you to tell me you're going to be home at seven and walk in the door at six 30. than for you to tell me you're going to be home at six 30 and walk in the door at seven. Like Mm -hmm. those are the difference between like, we're not going to speak for two days and we're going to have a great night. Like Mm -hmm. just don't. And, And it's something about the fact that like I can hold the kids and he can help with baths or I'll have another set of hands. And I know for people who are outside of this experience, This is the kind of stuff that when moms talk about, like, this is so, so hard. It's like, it doesn't seem that hard. Like, put your kids in the bath, put them to bed. You're so tired. You're so overwhelmed. And then it's like, you're crawling through the valley. And then you're like, oh, my God, I have to get over the Mount Everest of bath, dinner time, pajamas, fresh diapers, bed. And then theoretically, I have to clean up from the day before I'm allowed to lie down again. It just feels like so crushing. This this is the time of day when the wheels
1: can come off my... um. My uh, now 14-year-old fell out of his high chair and needed stitches. And it was totally my fault. And it was this like frantic time of day, me with the two kids, both, you know, one was in a booster seat and one was in a high chair or whatever. And I had, he was, you know, maybe 15 months old and he had the tray on the high chair, but I didn't also strap him in Mm. because I was in a frantic hurry. And I thought I could save myself 10 seconds by not strapping him into the high chair and then putting the tray on the tray was holding him in. Well, of course, I forgot. And 15 minutes later, when I went to take him out of the high chair, I clip off the, the high chair tray. I turn around to put it next to the sink. And he at about, you know, 15 months old, decided it would be good to stand up and like Mr. Magoo, yep. just like walk out into space and see what happens. <laughs> and he hit the table on the way down. You hear
0: the little like feet. going. Like, what would how about this? And.
1: And you know, and then we were there we were at the emergency room, and I, you know, felt so guilty and so horrible about that. Um, still do, but it was it was this time of day where it's like I have ten Can things I to just, do right free now. You
0: from that one, cross that one off your list. It's not your fault.
1: He's okay. He's still here. I'm, I'm here. to Fine. Say. Relax. No. <laughs> day, no harm,
0: no foul. <laughs> he
1: made it. Um, but you know what? I I I also am here to say that even with the older kids, it just gets hard in a different way. It's a little bit less like. Oh my God, what will become of me? Like my ch- the children are falling out of high chairs when I'm turning my back. But I have older kids. I have one in high school who's very self-sufficient. Thank goodness I don't have to go pick them up or drop them off. But my other two is the pick up, drop off, pick up, drop off. And then when they come home, they need to... My, my daughter over the weekend had to type a one-page letter with the like salutation and greeting and, you know, all that kind of had to be a letter that, that fit the confines of what a proper business letter looks like. She's 10. Like she was going to say,
0: that's a really odd skill to be teaching at her age. She
1: doesn't have that skill. And so guess who had to, you know, spend like an hour with her last night.
0: (sighs) holding that, her I mean, hand while
1: she freaked out she didn't know how to do it. So. Go
0: back and listen to our episode on homework because we've, we'll do other screeds about inappropriate assignments that are really assignments for the mom. But that, that would fall into that category for me. Right, right. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just a like... A 10-year-old business letter. You can get to that skill a little later, I think.
1: <laughs> so, so um, and then I can say to her, go take a shower. And, and she goes upstairs and she comes downstairs, shower with her pajamas on. And I'll tell you, there's no a more wonderful day in a parent's life than when all of your kids are old enough to do that. I mean, I, I'll have to take your word for it. Oh my gosh. It's like the sun coming up in The Lion King. Like, It's, it's, unbelievable so I I should consider myself out of the woods but it's just a
0: different kind of heart I have a my nine-year-old is is basically getting there we have two two things working against us one our upstairs shower is bonkers like our house is all funkily built and old (laughs) and you know everything was kind of done on the cheap and uh so the it's very, very hard to change the temperature. Like it's got an old school knob. And if you change it, it like, it's either like surface of the sun or Arctic blast. Like there's no medium temperature for the water. And so I sent my nine-year-old up the other day and I was like, hey, you doing okay up there? Cause I was like, this is the test. Like, can you just, just send him to the shower by himself? And he was like, water's pretty cold, but I'm okay. And I was like, great. And then he came down later and he had like little like soap clinging to his face. Like clearly he had not, he had used soap, which was a good sign, but he hadn't cleaned it off of himself. And then he had clearly like stepped out of the shower and put his pajamas on like they were clinging to him. Like he had forgot the <laughs> towel step. And I thought to myself, close enough. You're showering on your own from now on. Like it's not a perfect shower, but I'm not going to let perfect be the enemy of done. Seriously, and Calf rope. That's a shower.
1: I think the reason this time of day is hard is because you are tired, and 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 the kids are you know out of out of coping skills at the end of the day, and so are we. I mean, there's how many memes are there about is it one o'clock yet? And y- yeah, it is. It, it is for every single one of us. It's that we have that in common. This like how can how can it not be time for bed yet? Feeling that we get, and and uh, being a
0: person who started this process at 37, like. I used to start my day at 9 a.m. Like I'm very used to starting my day at 9 a.m. That's like up and at them for me. That's especially appropriate. I worked in entertainment. Like I never had to be anywhere before 1030. Like, but when you move the starting blocks back to six, which they often offer us five for your sister, you've been in it for so long. Like you're, you're, it's bedtime basically at five PM. You've been you've done your twelve hours and you're just starting. And now it's the dreaded like what's for dinner. Our days are heavily tipped towards the end. Like homework and dinner and getting clean and packing up for the next day. This is like you got it's a heavy lift.
1: And our kids are unloading on us like their their crankiness, right? And and their and their need at the time of day when we are ourselves sort of the least able to handle it.
0: I have another leading tip that I want to, this is for older kids. This is something that has changed my life and I forgot about it and we're just doing back to school and it's been horrible. And then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember my own tip. The second my kids walk in the door, I feed them a snack that is kind of like a lunch. Yes, The very second they walk in, they're not hungry. They don't want it. I'm not hungry, blah, blah, blah. I find if I don't basically like shove, and I'm talking about like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, not like three cookies. I'm talking about a very proteiny snack. The second I see their faces, and basically sometimes I have to like hold them down and feed it, force feed it to them. If I skip that part, because often they come home and it's like often they're allowed to do screens at the end of the day for 45 minutes and they're just like, screen, screens, that's all we care about. If I skip that page, five o'clock, my life is not worth living. Nope, you must. You you must. My eighth grader, I, I have a babysitter who
1: will sometimes pick up my kids after school and get one of them where they need to go and I get the other one. Anyway, I just I just texted her on Friday, like show up with a snack, a snack and a drink. Show up with a big snack because I had forgotten to, to send one for after school and yeah. This this 14-year-old who's as tall as me, who is too tired to really eat breakfast, and who will skip lunch because it looked weird, is going to come out of the doors of the school at 3.30, so on fumes. And, and you, again, don't make eye contact. Just throw the steak at the bear, right? And just
0: Seriously. throw it through the bars of the cage. and And a steak. Like, I often, I have a picky, picky eater. And I will heat up last night's dinner. Like I'll serve him like meat sauce and a roll. Like I, I mean, it's a big snack. Left to their own devices, it's going to be three cookies and maybe an apple. And that, that's not going to do it. Clearly what we have in common is it doesn't really matter how old our kids
1: are. There is a very careful way that you must treat this uh, radioactive child that's coming at you um, after a full day of school. And there's a name for it. And
0: I'm going to tell you what it is after this. And now, a timeline of 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. from the What Fresh Hell podcast. 5 p.m. What time is it? It's got to be almost bedtime,
1: right? Oh, sweet mother of Kansas, it's only 5 p.m.? 5.15 p.m. I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? No, no snacks. We are in the cone of dinner time and all snacking must cease.
0: Okay, what is for dinner? 5.17 p.m.
1: I'm so hungry. Okay, okay, here are some cheese sticks while I try to think of something to make.
0: 5.23 p.m.
1: Mom, don't forget, for English, I have to make an island at one sixteen scale that represents the plot of my favorite novel, and it's due by tomorrow, and I haven't started it yet. No! Okay, I'm calling for a pizza.
0: 5.34 p.m.
1: It must be time for bed for you, huh? Okay, oh no, it's only 5.34. Here, you, find some Harry Potter Legos to start gluing
0: to this poster board. 5.52 p.m.
1: Okay, the pizza's here. Everyone grab a slice, but whatever you do, don't stop doing your homework. 6.
0: two p.m.
1: I know it's pitch black outside, but I'm gonna take your brother out to play on the swings for a while before he destroys the dining room. 6.15 p.m. Oh, it is colder than it looks outside. Okay, how's the island project coming along? What do you mean you haven't started yet? 6.42 p.m. Here is the glue. Keep making the island while I get your brother in the bath.
0: 7.08 p.m.
1: Red alert. Everyone in the car. We're late to pick up Todd from soccer practice. No, you don't need shoes. Go, go,
0: go. 7.23 p.m.
1: Okay, we're home. Let's get back to that bath. Honey, bring that island in here so we can finish during bath time. Todd, there's leftover cold pizza on the counter.
0: 7.32 p.m. Finish your homework. 7.45 p.m.
1: Can I have some dessert? No dessert. Dessert is canceled forever.
0: 7.52 p.m.
1: Anything that's not done is not getting done, folks. I'm putting the baby down. Let's wrap this thing up, people. 8
0: p.m. Everybody grab a screen or two and go to bed. Mama is done for the night. This has been a timeline of 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. from the What Fresh Hell podcast. You gave us a tease. Yes. Okay, so the 5 to
1: 8 p.m. thing, it's real. It's real at all ages and stages, and there's a name for it. Parenting expert Andrea Lowen-Nair calls this the after-school restraint collapse. (laughs) Okay. Okay, and here's how she explains it. She says, it takes a great deal of energy, mental motivation, emotional containment, and physical restraint to keep ourselves at our best while at work, daycare, or school for other people. Correct. And then we come home and this is just as true. I mean, the, the after work jerk is a real thing too, right? They, they, it's, <laughs> it's just as real for our kids as it is for us. I have been, I have kept my act together all day. And now I am a bag of jagged shards of glass. Mom, oh, please help me.
0: Otherwise known as like at the dinner party, you're like, <laughs> tell me more about you. your, ah, like, oh, And then you come home and you're like, listen, honey.
1: I will often say to my beloved family members, like pretend I'm a stranger and just treat me like like you would a stranger. Like if a yeah. stranger said something to you, you'd say, oh, okay, or got it. Or can you say that again? You wouldn't just pretend they didn't say anything, which is how I'm like,
0: <laughs> 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 don't get me started. But Pretend but I'm a stranger. But it's
1: a real struggle, I think, for many of us when we hear when we have a kid that's tantruming at home, as some of us have had a kid what? go through that stage or permanent stage, and and then you hear from the teachers, oh no, he's he's, he's perfect, an he's an angel. Yeah. Oh, we just yeah. love, and you're like, are we? Are you talking about my kid? And and. You are at once extremely relieved that you're not, you know, talking about finding a better educational environment. But but also, like, wh- what do you mean? And if the kid can keep it together in some environments, then why not at, at the kitchen table?
0: Right, because they can't keep it together 24 hours a day. Nobody can.
1: They got to do but- it somewhere, and they're saving it all for you.
0: Saving <laughs> all their grumpiness for you. Yeah, yeah uh, that's absolutely true, and it's something especially in like back to school or back from breaks. Like I think you see it exponentially. Like I definitely have a kid who is a lot easier in the summertime. Like he's just a guy who when he has his own lead, he just has a much easier time. And the structure of school and the keeping it together for eight hours, he comes home after school and he is truly like steak to the bear. Like that bear does not come in my house without a full belly full of steak because otherwise he's just – completely unreasonable at the end of the day. It is it is the, the
1: back to school thing is real. I have a I have a daughter who gets migraines and kids with migraines, they really spike in the back to school weeks. And in the past it was thought like they're making it up, you know, or, or they don't they don't want to do their schoolwork. But but no, now now neurologists are suggesting that it's actually just what you were saying, to go from the the free form, sleep as late as you want, don't have that much to do to you know, desks and rows and books and homeworks and sit up straight under the fluorescent lights and and don't get enough sleep and don't eat lunch and don't drink enough water and like and all that all that stuff flips and so if that gives some kids migraines, it's certainly enough to make other kids cranky by three p.m. Correct. Um, it's 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 a lot to switch and then there's other switches you have to watch out for. I think this this probably gets worse uh, when your kid is in a new school. Yep. A new environment. It definitely gets worse uh, in the winter when it's dark by five p.m.
0: This was so bad for me when my kids were little and I have talked to people and there are people who do not have did not have this experience at all and then every once in a while, I will hit someone who did have it and they're like, oh my God, I've never heard anyone talk about this before. The coming on of darkness would make me so anxious when I had little kids. There was something about the thing of like, here we go again, the baby who doesn't sleep, this one who takes an hour to settle down. Uh, uh, my husband's not gonna be home. I'm like scared of the dark. Like the dark was so... Anxiety producing for me, and and also the idea of like everyone else is going back into their house. There's no one to help me. Like it just got me crazy. And so beyond the fact that my kids were dealing with their own stuff, I was dealing with like the darkness and like depression and anxiety that was coming on with that darkness, and it was horrible.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I get that the darkness is sort of everybody has to get in their own burrows right now, right? Everybody in their own, and you're it, it's isolating.
0: Right. And I like already feel overwhelmed by these three little, little tiny kids. And the idea that I'm watching everybody slowly disappear into their burrows, I'm like, don't go, don't leave me. It's a, it's a weird feeling, but, um, I still think the dark, like the oncoming early dark, it just it adds to this all being a problem. It stinks. The the good thing about it getting dark
1: earlier is that I would have no qualms—not that I ever should have—but like five thirty is a fine time to get your pajamas on. It's a fine time to start (laughs) watching. It's night, you know, uh, Nick Jr. on the couch with your blanket, no problem. It's five. Yeah, it's dark outside, so this must be fine. And Um, also,
0: it does help a little bit with like it's nighttime, Start your homework because sometimes my kids, when it's light outside, they're like oh we're we, we're still playing outside. We don't want to do homework and now it's like, well there's nothing else to do to your homework. Right. right. So maybe in some ways it's better.
1: It's real. It's a thing and they're they're taking it out on us. They're all their exhaustion and frustration at at the time of day when we're also exhausted and frustrated. But there are some things we can do to maybe make it a little better. Should we talk about those? Yes, let's move
0: to the positive. Uh, here's, First here's of all, what hire a babysitter for ten dollars an hour, even if she's <laughs> eleven. Not a babysitter, a mother's helper. Get an eleven-year-old. It's
1: it's true. I have I had a friend who has three kids and they're just like two years older than mine. And and I remember it was probably seven years ago. I asked her. Once, once you get into the three kids have to go three places after school, like I said, it's a different kind of hard when it isn't, what, what am I going to come up with for these kids to do until dinner time? Instead, it's how can I be both at ballet at six and soccer at six? I don't know. I can't be two people. She said the solution was to have one person at home and one person on the move, which, yes, if you can make that work, is a great solution because the other problem is... Otherwise, you're out with your older kids until six thirty or seven o'clock, and then you come home, and I guess it's frozen pizza for dinner because right. you can't and everyone's not even start more, dinner. More seven. hungry and more tired. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, frankly, that's been my solution too: is to to make sure I have a second person around. Even now, when my kids are older, and I can, well, I thought I could handle it on my own last year, and then I was very quickly like, no, I can't, not without screaming, and not without um, you know takeout food every night. No, no, I can't. We're gonna. We're going to build this back in. And it's it's easy to find somebody, as you said, who is uh, young and capable and can do certain things you can do, if not all of them.
0: Right. You don't need the full, like, Class A nanny right experience. You right. Just you don't need, need Mary an Poppins or a
1: professional chef. Right. You need yes. you need to but if you need to have somebody who can like go to it's just, I mean, it's also a New York City thing, I think. But like you need somebody to to, to go to ballet and then sit at ballet and then bring the kid home from ballet.
0: Right. You might need an older person and, and a maybe even more expensive person for that. But mm-hmm. for what I for those little kid things, you really just need like you could take I'd take an eleven year old. You just need like you sit in the playroom, yell to me if either one bites the other one, I'm going to be with the baby in the bath. Like, you really need a very low level of help. You just need, like, a human with a functioning brain.
1: My my mother had, you know, her the Irish twins, my sisters, she had you know, a two year old, a one year old, they were a little bit less than a year apart, and and a boy who was about five, and she was and of course two older kids who were in high school who were coming and going. My grandmother lived in our house, but she lived upstairs and she was she had terrible arthritis and by this point could basically not walk. Like she could manage to get like to her kitchen and back to the couch and to the bed and back to the couch. And that was she didn't really go anywhere. She was pretty much a shut in, but she could sit on a couch and read somebody a story for a little while and that got that got my mom through those through those crazy yeah. years.
0: Or she could just look and be like, we need you. If one <laughs> of the kids was like found a frying pan to hit the other one with. It's just, it's just eyeballs. That's what you're hiring. You're not hiring anything else. Eyeballs. All so right. we have hire help, get someone to help during this time. We have feed your kids snacks. We have a bunch more helpful suggestions that are actually going to help with this stage. Talk to you about them right after this. Amy, we need to keep talking solutions. Okay, here's we solutions. We know the problem. I went to Andrea. No more complaining about the darkness. No more complaining about the crankiness. What are our solutions? We have two good ones already.
1: I went straight to to the source, Andrea Nair, who's the person who came up with after-school restraint collapse. If she came up with the term, that <laughs> it sounds perfectly really upsetting, that phrase. <laughs> it's it's perfect though. Like that dip. Yep, that's what it is. Here's what she says you should do. She has a bunch of ideas. I'll see if you like them or not. She says the first thing you do is when this is to help. This is mostly to help with the kid after after school. Um, You reconnect positively. You greet them with a smile and a hug. You do like what we said about what Wendy Mogul said about pretend they're a dog. I'm so happy to see you. Just just give them positivity. Don't give them. How was your day today? What happened at school today?
0: Yes. Alice Bradley also has an article about this. Stop asking your kid about their day. And I get a little cranky with the pieces that are like, 10 things not to say to twins. Never say this to your kid. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a horrible person because sometimes I ask my kid how their day was. But the overall point is like, let school fall away and welcome them home into a different place. And right. I think, yes are you sometimes going to be like, how was your day? It's fine. You're not like, oh, you failed the mom test. You asked them how their day was. But getting yourself out of the mode of right away being like, how was school? How was school? What happened? And just letting a transition happen where you let them have the space to let go of their day and come into a new space is a good practice to try to remember. Right. Right. But I like the idea. And it's something that you don't always remember. And also it tends to spiral a little bit into like, how was your day? I don't want to talk about it. Why are you always you know, it starts the ball rolling. So just maybe duck away from that question. I
1: think I think Alice Bradley is right that like the last thing that they want to do is recap the thing that they're trying to decompress from. So don't demand yes. the recap. If they want to talk about it, they'll it'll
0: come up at dinner time or in an hour. Just I have actually had my nine-year-old say to me this week. When I say, oh, tell me about school. He says to me, can we talk about it at dinner time? He understands that he's too tired to talk about it at 3.05. I guess the point is they
1: might not want to talk about anything, which brings us to the next the next idea, which is to create space. This is also from Andrea Nair. She says, give your child time to hear his thoughts or her thoughts right after pickup. If you're driving, put on the radio and stay quiet. If you're walking say nothing, or you say, oh, that that bird is so pretty, this isn't the time for big conversations.
0: I don't know if it's right. It's a habit that we've gotten into, but we come home and now I have to break the cycle because the first thing that has to happen is snack. But right after school for 45 minutes is screen time in our house. And I think it does, I'm not a huge screens fan, but I think it does give them an opportunity to be like to shut off for 45 minutes when they get home.
1: It's tough because I think these screens are an imperfect, they're an imperfect um, decompression solution, right? Because they had their like, hits of dopamine, hits of dopamine, and they're, right. they're um, stimulating in right. ways, too. Yeah. They're relaxing. They're certainly a different—they're a switch-off from schoolwork. I think she would suggest—well, I know she'd suggest because she—let's move on to her idea provide decompression time. They need time to decompress.
0: Mm-hmm. She
1: suggests physical decompression. They go outside and ride their bikes, go run around in the backyard— Great idea, unless it's raining, unless you live in an apartment, My unless kids it's dark do outside. Do that,
0: but I just find they like to come home and have 45 minutes of screens. It's silent. They've already had a lot of it. My kids walk to school. They've already had a lot of stuff going on. I don't know. I get that why, like, contemplative walk in the woods would be better than screens. But for us, She's not saying walk in the woods. She's saying, you know,
1: use their bodies, physical activity. And I, 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 well, agree. We do. I think this I mean, is better. We meet
0: up on the playground still after school. All the kids, so they do. They play oh, for right. 40, They play for a half an hour and then we come home. But when they first walk in the door, it's screen time. I don't know. I might be able to be convinced out of it, but probably not today. We don't do that in our house, at least not anymore, because
1: the homework the homework demands become such as like no, no, no screens. You've got to you've got to have a snack and then and then you know. So they get just to work.
0: walk in, have a snack, and start homework. Um, no,
1: these are older kids, so they walk in, have a snack. We'll go to the bathroom. We'll hide in the bathroom for a while with their okay. phones, and then and then. Isn't it time for you to be starting homework? So my kids are decompressing with their phones, which I mean, that's an imperfect decompression tool as yes. well. I'm just saying be aware be aware of its limits. I don't think I don't think it's a great idea. I'm not so sure it's such a terrible idea that I'm gonna say you may not have your phones. They haven't had their phones all day. They're they're gonna do some mindless scrolling for a little while. Heaven knows it's what I do on the way home. From, right, like, that's you know, what my kids do too. Yeah. It's
0: mindless, mindless scrolling. I think I whatever, think to games. move
1: toward the physical outlets is probably a good thing. My sister has. Um, I gave her the a Wii that we used to have. My kids have moved on to the Xbox now, but the Wii, which had a lot more games, you yeah, know, you where you hold the, around. yeah, you run yeah. around, and and her kids were um, playing baseball with it, and they weren't really they weren't really playing like it was like at least a month that they thought that they were swinging the bat and they just were watching a like a simulation of the game <laughs> hilarious and not actually playing and she found herself about to interfere and be like no 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 you're you have to do this you have to press it and then she was like like what am why I doing am I fixing right this? right they're this running in broken. place right they're inside running in place in 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 our toy room you know delighted with themselves why would I ever interfere with that yeah I have a friend with four kids in New York City, three boys, and then a girl. And she had, the first time that I picked my son up from a play date at their house, it was my first time meeting them, and they've become very good friends of ours 10 years later, they had a jumpy castle in the living room of their apartment. I mean, it took up the entire living room. That's hilarious. And she would blow it up after school and push the furniture back, and the kids would go in the jumpy castle.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, desperate times call for desperate right. measures. It worked for them we used to have, there was a company that, and they, they did it at school and it was called Adventures in Fitness. And it was like a gym class for rainy days. And it's just a guy on TV or on the computer. And he's like, oh, we're going to explore the Amazon. Oh no, here come, you know, the rocks are falling, let's run. And it was like, he would talk you through a story. And then he's like, oh, you're not running fast enough. And he would talk you through a story that involved like a lot of running in place and ducking and, you know, you would do the physical stuff that he was describing. And my, I stretched that thing. I mean, we did it last year. Now my kids are like, we're not doing that. That is lame. But, you know, I mean, we stretched it as long as we possibly could. Adventures in fitness. I think it's something to
1: keep in mind as a, as a, a, an exit to look for when it's available for your kids to have some physical activity after school of some form is better for them than not having it when you can make that happen.
0: I agree and the other thing that we implement I'm gonna just speak very briefly. I know you all have memorized my thoughts on the whiteboard but another thing we do is the kids walk in the door and there's a schedule written out on the whiteboard and this helps with a lot of this stuff like 3 to 345 screens. 345 to 415 free time like go outside play do whatever you want. Uh, And then we often have a half an hour that is quiet reading time. And that time I think is really nice for them. It like, it's quiet time. Everybody relax. Just be quiet for half an hour. The only real rule is you have to be quiet and you have to be holding a book. Like, I'm not going to ask you questions (laughs) about the book. It's not homework. It doesn't have to be right side up. It could be anything. No, you just, as long as you're quiet and in the proximity of a book, it is quiet reading time. Well, that that dovetails nicely with uh,
1: Andrea Nair's another one of her ideas for helping with this time of day, which is to reduce the household clutter and noise. Yeah. Well, you know, do what you can. She she says she tries easier to leave. Easier said than done. Andrea. Yeah, easier said than done. But she, she makes a good point here that she tries to leave a, a couple extra minutes in the morning to get the breakfast stuff cleaned up and put away before they leave for school. I do try to do this. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. But while I'm saying like, put your shoes on, we got to go, five minutes. I'm, I'm getting that stuff put away. So neither the children nor I have to come home to clean up the breakfast mess at four o'clock. You have sort of a clean slate.
0: Chaos leads to chaos. We all know that. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the more you can like, this is Gretchen Rubin's Make Your Bed. Like start as much as you can, like nail down a couple of flat surfaces, clean surfaces, clean slate stuff. Because we just had a busy weekend and I just said to David this morning, I was like, what happened to this house? Like I'm I'm turning around in every direction. A grenade went off. Like... (laughs) But just two days of not putting anything back away and suddenly we're like kicking stuff out of the way as we walk through every room.
1: Yeah. You need somewhere to plant a flag, right? So just just clear maybe what make sure there's one surface to plant a flag on when you come home. Cause that's immediately where all,
0: all the backpacks are gonna get dumped. So <laughs> we did talk about this in the homework exercise, but I really believe in this. Hook for every backpack, labeled hook for every backpack, and I've trained my children like animals. They walk in and they put their backpack on the backpack hook. So we know where the backpack is. Then when it's homework time, go get your folder out of your backpack, bring it to the table. I have a hanging four folder thing on the wall. Anything that's for me goes in the top. Anything that's for my nine-year-old goes next. and And then everybody has a slot. So like it's permission slips or whatever. That goes in the slot. Homework that needs to be done. You take out, you do it, you put it right back in your folder. Like systems and places for all of that stuff. So that you're not reinventing the wheel in chaos every night. Quiet spaces. We also got every kid in third grade in our house gets a desk and it's like that's your workspace. Go up and do your homework.
1: Yeah. That's I mean we talked a lot about this in the homework episode, but my my kids don't my kids when they're younger don't want to do their homework at their desks because they want, you know, when they're typing the business letter, they need they, right. need, they your need you help. to actually
0: do it for them. Or yeah. they're
1: but, bored, you know, and but, they, but, but but desks are better.
0: I would say desks are better, but the second line of defense is like our dining room table. But then the dining room table is like, sit at your spot. There's a pencil case down here. Like you're, you're, the pieces and parts of doing that are always the same. And the only variable is the homework. It gets done at the same time, the same place. Like the less variables you have with that, the less five to eight drama you have of like, if your kids are like my kids, every single night is like homework. Like this is being introduced fresh for the first time. Like we are starting the debate about whether or not we should do our homework. Like, and the more things in play, it's like, of course, homework because it's five o'clock, you know, like you, you take it out of the realm of like, let's start a debate about whether or not homework is a good idea. I have a good tip for this too, because if uh, your
1: house is anything like mine, the kitchen table is the locus, both of dinner time and homework time. And everybody wants to be at the kitchen table, which is frustrating when you're trying to make it both a homework space and a dinner prep space. But I have a place in our kitchen where we keep all of the phone charges, all of this, all of this. And I also have a tray in there. And on that tray is pencils, pens, paper clips, stapler, hole puncher, you know, whatever whatever you might need um, on a tray. It comes out after school. It goes on the table. When it's time to set the table, the tray goes away. So you're not constantly pulling out 10 things and putting away 10 things. It's one thing.
0: And I think in general, this is part of the thing of, and my kids are still little that like, Homework is five to six and that's it. That's all we need. But homework from five to six means while they're doing homework, either at their desk or at the dining room table, I'm cooking dinner. Six o'clock is dinner. So like it's it's a routine for all of us. Like it's my time to cook dinner. It's your time to do homework. At the end, we're kind of done for the night. We have a nice dinner. And then after that, you're basically free. Like it it gets us all in a routine that really functions well. Gosh, I am so out of
1: that routine. I mean, it's it sounds. I remember how hard it was, and then it also it also sounds nice because as they get older, homework just expands to fill the space available until it's ten fifteen, and you're saying like you, you got to go to bed. Ugh, that sounds horrible. Get ready, it's awesome. Are you ready for the last <laughs> tip? Because I think I I, I want to hear your reaction to this because okay. I think I know what it's going to be. Lay it on me. Um, Andrea Loewen-Nair and other people, by the way, I've seen this suggested more than once on the after-school restraint collapse, that you should build connection bridges with your child, which means put little notes in their lunchbox. If they're three, you know, they have a picture of you for their pocket, that there's, there's ways that they feel connected with you during the day so that when they're stressed, they're not like, how dare you have abandoned me, mom, and I'm going to really let you have it when school is over. Pack special treats
0: in their lunchbox. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, maybe that works for some people. It. Fe- I mean, that just goes right to the heart of my like. That's a tweet. We tweet. Are all tweet. Tweet. <laughs> we are all too precious with all of this, yeah. and like, I just reject always the assumption that like your kid is in bad mood from five to eight because of anything you did. Your kid is in a bad mood from five to eight because it's a hard time of day. Put some structures in. Fix the structures. But. If you like, every once in a while, David and I got into a little funny thing last year of like drawing like funny um, pictures on the kids' lunch bags. Like it just became like a fun thing that we would do sometimes. And whatever, they were into like, my son was into Godzilla and we would draw like a Godzilla eating his lunch and he couldn't get it. I would do it sometimes, David would do it sometimes. We kind of got into it. And then we just stopped doing it and maybe we'll do it again. Like if you have a fun idea, like, oh, this would put a kiss smile on my kid's face. Like I'm fine with it, but... I'm not here for the suggestion that your kid is having a hard time between five and eight because you are not building enough connectivity. That it's your job to fix it. Right. It's not your job. Like, relax. You're connected to your kid already. Like, if you, every once in a while after school, I'm like, you know what? Let's just forget everything and go for ice cream. Like, every once in a while, it's fun. You know, it's fun. If you think of a fun thing with your kid, do it and enjoy it. But I don't know. I would spend zero percent of your life worrying about connectivity bridges with your kid?
1: I would say I would come at this slightly differently, which is to say, no, your job is not to make them not be cranky between five and eight and that it's your fault if they are right. But if it's easier for you, for your kid to be less cranky between five and eight, which it is, then there are certain things that you can do. I do not put cute notes in my children's lunches. They eat the school lunch and I'm very happy about that. But one thing I do do with my older kids, I have never done a I'm not trying to build connection bridges with my teenagers, but I do text them, for example, and say, don't forget, we're going to the orthodontist after school. Or like, don't don't forget, so and so is coming for dinner tonight, so you're really going to have to get to your homework as soon as you get home. I'll text them that because I know they'll see it at lunchtime or with my younger kid as soon as school's over and they give them their phones back. And so there's no surprises because if there's anything that older kids hate, it's being surprised with something when they come home decompressed. Like, no, you have to go going to the eye doctor today. I told you that. They hate that. So I'm like, I guess I do build a connection bridge when I reach out to the older kid during the day and say, don't forget this thing coming in out of nowhere. That's kind of the advanced
0: version of the whiteboard, which is just like, here's what you're looking at today. So if you're having a hard time, whatever, like here's information. Cause I do think being out of control is really hard for kids at this age. and, And this stage of the day makes it makes all that the worst possible. I think we but this was lots of takeaways.
1: I feel like this was a takeaway heavy
0: takeaways episode. guys. And we want to know of course always what you're doing at your house from 5 to 8. Is it hard? Is it bad? Is it harder when your kids are younger or older? Just say younger. <laughs> Do the solid for the <laughs> young kid moms and tell them it's going to get better. What connection bridges? We want to know what connection bridges you're building. Yeah, what connection building? bridges are you building? I mean, it's fine if you are. I like to connect with my kids. I'm just saying it's not your fault. So yeah, don't let go of that. If, you, if you're if you the kind of mom that is good at
1: making Pinterest-y, um, you know, Pokemons out of fruit for when they walk in the school door, good for you. I mean, if that's a creative act you enjoy, but don't feel like you have to do that. Just do
0: these things because it'll make your life a little easier too. So come tell us what you're doing on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast.
1: And also Instagram is what fresh hellcast, and we're on Twitter at WFH
0: Podcast. Amy will be sharing links to all of these articles, including the article about what is it called? After school restraint collapse. After school restraint collapse. And that will be on our website, what fresh Guys, good luck from five to eight. Uh, Take all these tips away and we will see you next week. Bye.
3: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.
2: Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors who are also creative beings Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross-type paint-on-paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep. Oh, get out of their life gunk and let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks.